Welcome to the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast. I'm Cody Fields, the president of the Noseminster family of guitar effects. Check us out at westminstereffects.com. And make sure you join the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast Lounge and join in the discussion on Facebook. You can also follow us and comment on Facebook and Instagram. And make sure you subscribe on iTunes and leave a five-star review. Uh, no John this week, so instead I'm joined by... This is Bradley Cox. I'm the lead pastor at Resurrection Church in Greer, South Carolina. So, Bradley, what happened in church this week? <laughs> um, we, we A lot, actually. We um, Sunday morning, uh, our other pastor, Keith, spoke about... Um, it was really kind of a sermon-slash-testimony kind of mm-hmm. thing where he talked about a recent bout that he had with pretty severe anxiety... Um, it, it was drug induced, not that he was taking illegal drugs, but he actually got <laughs> For the record. <laughs> yeah, he actually got the flu like you've had. Yeah. And, uh, went to, I don't know if he went to an urgent care or like one of those mm-hmm. minute clinics or whatever. And the doctor gave him really what amounts to an overdose of steroids, uh, yeah. to try to help him get better. And it ended up sending his body almost into shock yeah. and he had a se- really severe battle with anxiety, which, you know, he talked about how the Lord had used that to help him become more empathetic with people that battle this on an ongoing sure. basis. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, um, so it was really, it was really good. I think and and, and the response at the end, we, we allowed people to come forward for prayer at the end. And, and the response was really overwhelming. Um, just, Really amazing, I guess, is a, is a better word because it, it, so many people battling anxiety, mm-hmm. worry, stress, fear on some level. And uh, Keith did a really good job. He launched from Second uh, Corinthians and Paul talking about his thorn in the flesh and um, you know God's grace being sufficient, um, and uh, did a good job rooting how he came through this recent battle with anxiety uh, to biblical truth. Um, so Sunday morning was fantastic. Uh, Sunday evening, uh, we don't normally do a Sunday evening service, but uh, our elder pastor, his name is Ernest Barr, is retiring. And so we had a big celebration for him. He's been at our church for 30 years and is retiring um, fully. He's kind of been semi-retired for a while now, but he's retiring fully and so it was just great to see our church love on him. Uh, had some really good fellowship. Um, and so, yeah, it was a good day. Really yeah. good day at Res. Yeah, and I, I missed it all recovering from the Namthrax, as you've already mentioned. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I guess my church was, I actually watched uh, your sermon out of Romans 5 from the week before, since I had missed that one uh, being at Nam. And uh, so that was original sin and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't remember the exact phrase, but there was one point where I was like, oh, I hadn't thought about it like exactly like that with how you phrased it. I'll have to go back and listen to it and then text it to you because I totally forgot what it was. Like, I'm just blanking on that. So, <laughs> so I stayed at home and pouted uh, while Kristen played bass. She did a great job, so, too, man. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I... I texted Aaron. I was like, yep, this isn't going to happen. So he filled in. I was supposed to play guitar and everything. So I just, you know, my, my immune system dropped the ball last week. <laughs> it happens, man. It does. Of year. It does. And uh, especially when you're 
around so many people from so many different countries, you know, like I couldn't count how many different nationalities I talked to. <laughs> right. And uh, so I, I even, like I've mentioned it to you, is, but I don't think I, I told the listeners, maybe last week, I don't know, when I did the little brief episode of, I had the flu shot, but when you're around that many different people, they're going to miss a strain. <laughs> yes, definitely. But uh, that probably helped it from getting too atrocious because um, it really all things considered with the flu it wasn't all that bad but but nam was good nam was good yeah yeah i'm working on orders right now not literally right now but right now on orders that i got from as a direct result of nam so that's it's a very good thing mm. it's keeping me busy um i have to reorder a couple of enclosures <laughs> so so good problems yeah and uh yeah excited to see where that goes and speaking of Nam, I haven't even told you exactly how we were going to tee this up. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to get your reaction, and I kind of wish John was here to get his reaction too. But I saw Victor Wooten do a Q&A at the Reverb.com booth. And uh, so he had some, some really cool things to say, I thought. And I listened as, as long as I could until I had to get back to the booth and all that kind of stuff. And uh, so he, the first thing that he talked about when I walked up was, you don't have to play this music perfectly. And that's coming from the best bassist in the world. Right. And he, he even went so far as to say, people can't relate to musical perfection. Mm-hmm. He said, yeah, I can, I can just absolutely nail a song. Uh, or this massive solo or whatever. And yeah, people will applaud. But if I make a couple mistakes and you see me push through that, he's like, that's when I get a standing ovation. Hmm. And I thought that was pretty interesting where his standard for himself isn't musical perfection. His Hmm. standard ultimately is, I guess you could say, playing from the heart and playing it well. Hmm. Um, Where that could, I think that has a really easy... Um, application to a worship team in that you don't have to play it perfectly. Yeah. Um, we, we've even got this habit at res where, especially if Aaron's playing and something screws up, we, we both step back yeah. and laugh at each other about it. Right. And, uh, and I think that's pretty healthy where we can laugh at ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, we're going to push through it. And I think people in our congregation see that. Mm. Any, any thoughts on that one? Uh, definitely. <laughs> I mean, I, I certainly would say that, you know, most of the time when skilled musicians make mistakes, the average person doesn't even notice, for sure. one thing. And um, th- I think I think they're... I totally agree with Victor Wooten, and I certainly think that applies to a local church you know, worship set is, is we're not up there trying to deliver a product. We're trying mm-hmm. to engage with people. And, and at, at what point do we, at what better point do we fully engage with people than when there's, there's some way in which we can identify yeah. with the person that we're admiring or that we're watching or we're mm-hmm. being led in worship by. Yeah. You know, I think that's what made Keith's sermon on Sunday mm-hmm. so powerful yeah. Was that he? He got a, here's a pastor who stands up in, in on Sunday morning from the stage and says, "Look, I just went through a battle with anxiety, a severe mm-hmm. battle with anxiety, mm-hmm. where my thoughts were irrational, 
and I, I, I wasn't sure I was going to come through it. Right. And, and it not like that happened 10 years ago. That happened mm-hmm. a few weeks ago. And I think that resonated with people. And when, you know, when someone's leading worship and you're playing music, music, I, I, is music ever really perfect anyway? I mean, it, it's, it's an art. It, it, it doesn't have, though we get pretty mathematical with it, we use Nashville number systems. We use click tracks. You know, we have music. We have chord charts. We want to hit the right notes. But it's an art. It's not a science. It's a, it has science to it, but it's fundamentally an art. And so it doesn't have neatly defined lines. And when, when imperfections come to bear, it's like, I don't know, we all identify with that. Yeah. And, and one of the primary goals of leading worship is connecting with the audience. And so... I certainly think that worship teams should not take themselves too seriously and it 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 shouldn't get so rigid and and we're we're striving for perfection to a degree that it ceases to become fun, it ceases to become accessible mm-hmm. and interactive. I've even noticed there have been times where you know, I flub a note or whatever and I'll kind of give a drink, you, yeah, know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. you know the the yeah. The violent head nod of mm-hmm. I should have gotten that, and I look up, mm-hmm. and somebody saw me do that. <laughs> yeah. And you know, every now and then it'll it'll be somebody I'm relatively close to, and they'll kind of give me that grin of you just jacked that up, didn't you? Yeah. And that even provides a connection with even people you know mm-hmm. of of well, those people that are in your life anyway, they know your flaws, right? <laughs> and they just witnessed another one. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, like. I don't. I don't play on the worship team nearly as much as I used to. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and occasionally I get asked to fill in on bass. And one of the running jokes is that Bradley hits a lot of bad notes when he plays bass. <laughs> and and the truth be told, you know this. I, I I don't have to hit bad notes. I I can go up there and our songs are so simple. Mm-hmm. You know, one four five six minor is is going to get you through most of the modern worship stuff. Um, I, I don't really have to hit bad notes, but I, I try stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I try stuff that I'm not a skilled bassist by any stretch of the imagination, but I try stuff and I laugh at myself and everybody else laughs and the team has fun with it. Now, I'm not going to get up there and just butcher a song. Right. Because that's going to detract from, you know, worship and the music quality. But there there are bad notes that generally come because I'm... I'm having fun, right? And I'm trying right. stuff, and and I think the team, the team kind of has a good laugh about that, and we enjoy what we're doing more when there are, when our flaws are not things that we're just, you know, we're scared of, right? And and that even lends itself, and this could be an entire different episode, that lends itself to uh, having better stage presence, sure, where. Uh, you're, you know, for the listeners who don't know, Bradley plays music violently. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. You basically worn a hole in your guitar because yep. you play so hard. Yep. You know, the guys in the back even have to turn you down on bass because uh-huh. you play bass so hard, or even keys. Like you just wail on that thing. Uh-huh. Um, but people pick up on that. And and me coming more from a, a punk and metal background, I have to contain myself. Yep. You know, if if I power stance it. 
and on a Sunday, which I do frequently, do but it's about it's about half the power stance I do in a metal set. <laughs> right, right, right. But people see that and appreciate it. And I mean, you even got some air a couple weeks ago. <laughs> I did, I did. I don't even remember I what did. song that was, but you started bouncing around pretty good. And I was just like, oh dang! Oh, please don't I forget that song too. But I loved it. I loved it. <laughs> was it Death Was Arrested? No. It was one of our newer ones. <clears throat> I can't remember, but. Uh, Mighty Cross. I think it was Mighty oh, Cross. Oh, yeah, that was it. That was it. I love yeah. that song. The, toward the end of that song, it gets, it gets pretty exciting. Very exciting. <laughs> Very exciting. So, I guess to move on to the other thing uh, that really struck me from, from Wooten's Q&A was uh, somebody asked him... Uh, what qualities do you look for in a great musician? And obviously, Victor Wooten has played with some pretty good musicians a little bit in, in his little career. Bit. Um, and he said, well, let me flip that around on you. What qualities do you look for in a great musician? And the guy said, practice, uh, patience, and perseverance. Hmm. And, and, you know, that's that's I thought it was a pretty good answer. Yeah. And, and Wooten said, let me simplify that for you. What I look for in a great musician is what I look for in a great friend. Hmm. And I was just like, huh. And he starts elaborating. He's like, if I have a guitarist who's not up to par, you're not going to know that during the gig. Hmm. He's like, you, you're not going to see me you know, making nasty faces at him. I'm not going to chew him out on stage. I'm going to make him better. It's like, yeah. yeah, after the gig, we'll talk about, hey, let's, let's work on some stuff. You know, hey, this riff you need to clean up or whatever. He's like, but during the gig, you're going to think he's just as good as I am. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was a really cool concept. Um, I've even been in, in bands. And, and we joke, you know, the guys that uh, are still in my band uh, and and the guy, and even the guys who uh, used to be in the band, like, this is, you know, we laugh about this now. But we took ourselves too seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, back in that 2009 and 10 post-hardcore era, we had a lot of electronic stuff going on. So we had a keys guy instead of a, you know, we, we, we did this to ourselves where instead of uh, having a click track with, you know, any kind of sampled stuff already in that click track, you know, uh, we had our keys guy who's playing some pretty complicated parts. We had the keys guy hit another MIDI controller to cue that up. Hmm. <laughs> there was one time specifically we were playing in North Carolina that I remember. And, uh, it, and definitely in the middle of our taking ourselves to seriously era where, I mean, he just whiffed on hitting the sample by like a full beat. Hmm. And it just made everything all wonky. So he hit that sample off time, and our singer turns around into the microphone. He's like, "Hey, thanks a lot, Nick." And while it's funny now, like at, during that show, it was just like, "Oh, did you really just do that?" Yeah, yeah. And uh, and we don't even realize like we can look like total tools if we do that. Right. But at the same time, he just made our at the time, Keys guy yeah. feel like garbage in front of a crowd, mm-hmm. and that's just not helpful. <laughs> it's not. It's not. I mean, you when you when you're in a band, you know, uh, <coughs> local church worship team or whatever, 
Just think about the amount of hours you spend with those people. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's if, a lot. If you're going to do music well, you got to rehearse. And when you rehearse, you're with people, you know, after hours, at night, everybody's mm-hmm. tired. Everybody's, you know, unless you're, this is what you do for a living, which I'm assuming that most of the people that we are talking to here on this podcast, you know, they might be full time in a local church themselves, but they're working with people who aren't. And, you know, everybody's coming in, spending two or three hours rehearsing for that Sunday or whatever, or for the gig that weekend. You absolutely are not going to have a great band, even if you've got a better musician that you just don't mm-hmm. jive with. Yeah. I mean, I remember here at Rez, probably 10 years ago, we had a guy, he, was, he might be the best drummer and, and the best electric guitar player Aside from you, that has come through, come that has come through, that has come through Res Church. Am, am I allowed to tell my pastor that he's full of crap on the podcast? I mean, this guy, this guy was one of the better musicians that I mean, I've ever worked with. Sure. And just in terms of sheer musical ability, mm-hmm. raw, somewhat raw talent, but just could play anything. I mean, you you put him on a set of drums or electric guitar, and he could just go for it. But he was no fun, man. It it, mm-hmm. it and we weren't better. We weren't better as a team. We weren't better as a band. Even though he was one of the better musicians, mm-hmm. because he was constantly doing his own thing. He had a bad attitude. He he didn't. You know, he would listen to a song and interpret it the way he wanted to interpret it. And woe unto anyone that disagreed <laughs> with him. And so that didn't last very long. You were allowed to have a different opinion, but you were wrong. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And and. You've worked with me long enough to know that that didn't that that, that wasn't going to go very long with me. So it 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 I I agree with him again. I think um, you you want people that you can get in the trenches with, have fun with, and and play good music. And I've I've made the mistake more than once in twenty years of local church ministry of opting for talent over character. Mm. And um, I. I think I've learned my lesson um, in the handful of times that I've done that because it just, in the end, it doesn't make you better as a team. Yeah. If the character's not there, if the relational piece is not there, you're not going to play better music. Right. You're just not. Yeah. And we, we have a, a really good mix right now. I think we do. At, at Res, where we have we have people from all over the musical spectrum. Yeah. Where you have... Uh, people who literally have been playing their instrument for like six months Mm -hmm. Um, and you know we'll work with them and you know we make sure to get them the music way ahead of time so they can be comfortable and then we've got people like you who have been doing this a minute and if you got to fill in on bass or keys or whatever like okay just tell me what's up Mm -hmm. (laughs) you'll you'll make it work right Um, one other thing that I think is pretty cool is uh, so our our drummer situation where we have three regular drummers and they are all completely different drummers. Completely different. Um, one of them is a, a music teacher at a is, is in an elementary school, mm-hmm. and so he comes in and he has everything charted. And yeah, he's, he's he's a PhD in percussion, yeah. or if that that's even he's doctorate level. Yeah. Um, so everything is super precise. Yep. The other two guys are a little more freeform, mm-hmm. and one of those has more of, you know, more of my taste, more of the punk metal, 
mm-hmm. type of background, and it takes some getting used to. Uh, you know, when you, you start talking about uh, looking for great musicians, the same character as a friend, well, you have to deal with different friends in different ways. Mm-hmm. And you even communicate with different friends in different ways. Mm-hmm. Where, uh, so with, with Patrick, the guy who's super precise, if to communicate, you know, maybe, you know, since so many worship songs have like, 18 minute bridges yeah. <laughs> we're gonna cut we cut some of those in half right so we're not here until 1 30 yeah, that's Sunday. right that's right and uh so when we say hey we're gonna have that we're gonna talk to him a little bit different than we would someone like zach who you know he'd just be like okay yeah whatever yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but even even getting used to how they play their fills you know like i i like being comfortable I don't like new people, mm-hmm. <laughs> so I have to caution when we have a new drummer uh, not automatically writing them off because I'm not comfortable with how they play. Right. Uh, like, that's a legitimate challenge for it me. Is. I have to be like, yeah, they're, they're just different from what I'm used to. That doesn't mean they're bad. Right. Um, so give them a minute. And, and the way with that we do things at Res is, you know, they'll sit in some rehearsals, so I do get a chance to... Mm-hmm to get used to them and then by the time that we're actually playing in a service it's like well that was fun right I didn't mind that guy so much (laughs) but you know you know like from a really really practical standpoint (coughs) what what helps I think with that whole dynamic is, is two things primarily and I would assume that most of our audience does these things um but if you don't here's a little encouragement I've found that Using a click track mm-hmm. and pre-mapping songs yep. makes a huge difference and allows your team to be flexible when you have different personalities. You know, lots of churches have multiple drummers, multiple guitar players, and there's a rotation of volunteer musicians that's coming in and out. But if you if you lay the foundation with click tracks with pre-mapping songs so that everybody knows where we're going in general. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a structure and within that structure we can have freedom to be ourselves. Yep. yep. But that structure allows you to adjust more quickly and get comfortable cuz I can play all three of our drummers are vastly different, but I've enjoyed playing with all three of them because there is a structure in which we operate together. Exactly. And I think that's huge. And I think you know the other tools that we use, like um, I, I don't remember the websites that we're using now. Stuff like Worship Online, yeah. Worship Initiative, where there's tutorials and stuff, and so we kind of we kind of all come in at, at least having some you know pre-laid tracks to run on, because um, you know Patrick is very precise, Zach is more of that rock heavier mm-hmm. drummer and I mean he'll bring his double bass pedal in yeah exactly for, for and Jonathan is more of like he's got more of a jazzy kind of flair to mm-hmm. him that is great it's fine and, and but as long as we we've got that foundation um, where we know where we're going and there's a there's a click in our ears that's keeping us all in time I think you that allows not just drummers but guitar players piano players, even singers, to kind of come together 
and make room for each individual, you know. And one thing, one thing that we do pretty well, I think, is we know our limitations as a mm-hmm. band. We know what we do well, mm-hmm. um, and that that this isn't to rip on anybody who uses multi tracks or backing tracks or anything like that. But we don't use Ableton Live, mm-hmm. partially because we would get out ahead of the track somehow. Somehow, somehow. Um, so part of our click track uh, usage is we have. I don't remember the app, but it's on a phone mm-hmm. that's you know plugged into the system, and and if we need to, we'll stop and restart the click, mm-hmm. uh, which is something I really appreciate as opposed to saying you know hey you have this computerized voice that says hey the chorus is happening right uh, and you know one two three mm-hmm. four go, mm-hmm. whereas you know it gives us not having pre-recorded stuff. Not that there's anything wrong with that, <laughs> again, uh, but that enables us to, you know, go a little more freeform. Where if, you know we're transitioning and Keith, you know, gives us the, hey, you're gonna play that chorus again, <laughs> right? Uh, you know, which pretty much only happens if I've thought, oh yeah, we're totally not doing that again, and then I take off my guitar, mm-hmm. and then it's like, oh crap, I have to get my guitar again. Yep, 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 yep. But um. But having just a click and then and then you doing everything organically with mm-hmm. the instruments that we have also helps us stay mm-hmm. a little freer and while still having that structure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I and I think you know, it's always good to when 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 you talk about knowing your strengths and weaknesses, you you really also need to identify who in in the team even and it might be something that varies from week to week based on the rotation of volunteers is, mm-hmm. is, is who, who's really the lead instrument here? Yeah. You know, who's driving this thing? Mm-hmm. Is it piano? Uh, is is, it, is it, it more of a guitar song? And that may not necessarily even be determined by the song. It might be determined by who's up there. Yeah, that's true. Um, because depending on, you know, who's playing what each mm-hmm. week, you could even look at our team and say, okay, yeah. this yeah. week we really are leaning on Cody. Or Aaron, or Zeke, uh, or we might be leaning on me if I'm playing guitar or piano. So it's it it depends on you know how what the skill levels are of your team and 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 knowing that ahead of time, knowing who's driving the ship. You know who who are we really following here? Who's got the best grasp of where we're going? And letting everybody play their roles within that is helpful. <laughs> Let's move on to suggested reading, watching, listening. What do you got? John, and it, and it, and it doesn't have to be related directly because we were talking about that beforehand. Well, if it doesn't have to be related directly, um, I will recommend what I'm reading right now that has absolutely nothing to do with what we've talked about um, today. Uh, we're, we're at Rest Church. We're going to expand our eldership this year. Um, and add some elders. Uh, I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast that one of our pastors is retiring, and so that's kind of prompted us to to really look at expanding our eldership. And um, I picked up this book called Healthy Plurality uh, Equals a Durable Church by Dave Harvey. Um, I haven't finished it yet, but um, it's some really good stuff about... um, 
a plural approach to leadership in the local church, which I, which I think could apply to worship teams. I mean, we mm-hmm. we have a team of people here at Res that oversee our worship uh, ministry, um, and then we're a church that's led by a plurality of elders, more than one. Um, I'm the lead pastor, but. I, I don't function by myself in terms of spiritual oversight of the church. And I, and I think that's a biblical model. Um, and I think from, you know, leadership in the local church, I think works best when there are teams of people. And I'm not saying there shouldn't be point guards on those teams. We have a point mm-hmm. guard on our worship council. But yep. um, there there's there's certainly merit and there's there's good biblical roots for having you know, multiple people with a leadership voice, um, not just at the top, you know, level of the local church, but in other areas as well. So healthy plurality equals a durable church by Dave Harvey. So I am going to recommend an old Christian metal album that I finally did uh, a deep dive into last night. Mm. And I'm kind of kicking myself that this album has been out since 2012 and I really didn't investigate it, you know, like when you when you just sit down with an album, look up the lyrics, and it's uh, I Am by Becoming the Archetype. Like, these guys are just, they're so heavy. <laughs> like, you could, you could legitimately categorize them as Christian death metal. Um, wow. And this, they, they were, I'm pretty sure they had some reformed, reformed leanings, mm. um, but this album, it's a concept album, that's basically just Christology, <laughs> and it's it's super interesting. So you've got lyrics, you know, basically from the perspective of Jesus. I walked across the ocean to the island of the dead. I climbed the mighty tidal wave. All other men have dread. I alone am standing in a world of silence. The tsunami and the hurricane bow down. <laughs> wow. And it's just like. It just punches you in the face so hard. <laughs> now, could you actually understand him saying that? Some of it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then they have they have some clean clean vocal choruses, yeah. but uh, but otherwise it's just heavy. And they, you know, these guys have done uh, <clears throat> on uh, on a previous release they did a cover of "How Great Thou Art," that was also super heavy and super epic. Hmm. Uh, so recommended. I'm doing "Becoming the Archetype." I am. Uh, that's. I'm also doing the outro song as by them, but it's the song "End of the Age," uh, which also will punch you in the face. <laughs> mm. and talking about uh, God pulling down the sky to crush his enemies, but at the mm. same time, he reached down into the void and took hold of you. Mm. You know, so it's it's one of those where it's you know that one's from their album Dichotomy, mm. uh, which shows a lot of the dichotomy of God. Mm. Of, yeah, he is wrathful and graceful. Mm. And uh, so, yeah, a lot of good lyrics, a lot of mm. good heavy music. So if you don't like metal, uh, go ahead and turn this off now. <laughs> if you're actively in writing, if you're actively writing and performing music, would like to become an official Westminster artist, which we've picked up a couple recently. Thanks, Nam. And even get your song played at the end of one of these episodes. Fill out our application at westminstereffects.com. Becoming the Archetype is not a Westminster artist, but here's End of the Age anyway. Thanks for listening.